You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, as always. And we are turning the page. Oklahoma State in the past. Texas Tech is here. Wildcats have another tough road trip this weekend in Lubbock, Texas. And no matter where you are watching the game, whether you are traveling out to West Texas and you're going to be tailgating or you're going to be plopped down on your couch just enjoying the evening, Make sure that you have your 360 Vodka or your Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon from our friends at Holiday Distillery. You guys hear us talk about it all the time, but it is great stuff. Something for everybody. If you are a bourbon drinker, we hear rave reviews about the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Make sure that you get some of that to try in your 360 Vodka. Stock up for the rest of the year, too. Plenty of home games left. Tailgate season. We are still right in the thick of it. So go support Holiday Distillery. Great K-State folks who support us here on the pod. Uh, Guys. We're ready to be positive today. Positive, positive, positive. That was, you know, the group chat. We got together, put our heads together a little bit. We're like, all right, moving forward here. Let's 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 try to be. Let's get in a good frame of mind with K State going to Lubbock. So I'm, I'm done. I saw on Twitter somebody was like, hey, it feels like these these um, uh, pods have turned into like therapy sessions where John's you know venting and and sad and upset and Cole's trying to talk him off the ledge and you know Derek to a to a lesser extent as well. I'm like, okay, well, today I will be I will lead the charge with positivity, boys. How about how about K State goes and wins a game at uh at Texas Tech this weekend? We we okay with that? Cole, you okay with that? We are okay. No, we are gonna turn the page, right? We're gonna turn the page. I think I might have just I might have just thrown my notes for the pod. So uh, that, that that wasn't turning a page, by the way. That was straight. Well, I'm dump I'm throwing that page away, all right? We're not only turning the page, we are uh throwing that throwing that game away, all right? So, and I, I do think that might've had a few stats on it that I had written down this morning. So we'll hope I remember those, but I've got most of them still. Uh, I, you know, I won't even, I was like, I won't even bring up the fact that 2.3 million people, uh, saw that, that, well, you just did bleep show on Friday. Okay. Anyway, uh, here we are headlines, baby headline. Number one. Uh, this has to be an inspired team this week, right? Like, I, Derek, you were at the the press conference yesterday, so I'm curious to hear what your takeaway was from not only Chris Kleiman but the the players and everybody there. But man, after after such a poor effort on Friday, after what really sounds like some soul searching that went on on Saturday and and early on this week, harder practices that Chris Kleiman talked about, like being able to go more one v one, good v good. And even changing what they're doing offensively, defensively, and on special teams to simplify things. It just it feels like we have to get a more inspired effort on Saturday. I would be pretty stunned if that if that did not transpire. He even mentioned and he said he wasn't going to provide the details, you know, changing up maybe the routine on throughout the day before these night games, especially on the road. So so that's interesting that they're kind of looking at anything and and everything to get a pretty good answer. I would say the tenor of the team, uh, when speaking to Coach Kleiman and, and three of the players following the loss in Stillwater, immediately af- afterwards, they were really pissed off. And then when we spoke to them on Tuesday, 
I got the sense that they were relieved that it, the the days beyond it were over and that they could just, you know, hopefully get to Saturday as soon as possible and get the, the bad taste out of their mouth. That That's the impression that I received. Cole, your thoughts? Look, I've been saying all week, I, I just really hope we see an inspired performance with an attitude and ferociousness about him and flying around to the football and, and don't look so lethargic. I just want to see a lot of energy out there. I want to see him play smart, fundamental football too. I mean, you can't, can't be turning the ball over anymore. And I want to see him have some explosiveness and I want to see him turn teams over because that's Honestly, one of the biggest issues with this team right now is K-State's, I think, right around like 120th in the country in takeaways per game. And that had been a trademark and a staple of Chris Kleiman's program at Kansas State dating back to 2019 when he was hired. K-State had forced the second most turnovers in the Big 12. They were the second best team in turnover margin per game uh, over those years, excluding the COVID season. And yet this year they find themselves in a negative turnover margin um, at a minus 0.5 per game, one of the worst in the country. So they got to start forcing more negative plays, game-changing type plays, and they need more explosiveness on the offensive side of the football. And I just hope that we see them come out with a lot of energy uh, to start this game and carry it through to the end because I do think this is just a, a monstrous game for this football team. What What do you make, D.Y., of the simplifying things in all in all three phases? Probably makes some sense on the defensive side of the ball because of the inexperience and maybe you simplify things they can play a little bit faster. Probably makes sense on the offensive side of the ball because a lot of these turnovers and complicated mistakes of that sort are a product of they're really playing, going through a, an operating system that's very elevated and very graduated. And if you can't prove that you can handle it without turning the ball over, then maybe you do get back to the basics. That was kind of my thought. It's like a, it feels like the the pick six is like the perfect example of that. You know, like option route, two guys not on the same page, and that that stuff just is not clicking at all right now. So, makes complete sense. Makes complete sense why you would do that. Even the special teams one caught me off guard too, though, because he he did kind of go out of his way to make sure and say like special teams too. Does that mean more fair catching kicks and just not not even attempting to do that? What do, what do we think that that means on special teams? I don't know. What I will tell you is that maybe it means they won't because something that I learned in like the last 48 hours was that when the plan was if Oklahoma State kicked off and they kicked off across the field, so if they kicked off a one hash and kicked it to the other quarter, the plan was to always fair catch it. So I don't know if they saw something there that prevented them from wanting to do it. So that was... Not necessarily a product of anything. It was a plan based on a look that Oklahoma State was giving. Mind games, John. They're going to come out and run an end around on a kick kick return in this game. Run. So maybe they feel like they're thinking too much. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I. You know, I just think back to back in the the good old days of K State special teams. I mean, they were so. It didn't really matter who the opponent was or what they had. Now, sometimes to a fault, because the example I'm going to give was a fault. But, like, I mean, remember the Fiesta Bowl, Cole, against the Oregon? Yeah. Like, oh, there's there's D'Anthony Thomas and the Sean Snyder-led special teams, like, were great, and they were confident enough. They they were they kicked it short to him right away. Now, he ran it back for a touchdown, and then they went for two 
in case they'd never caught up and they were down eight to nothing from the word go. But I mean, like that was the kind of confidence that they had in uh, in special teams there. It just doesn't seem like that's there right now. John, but, John, you want to know something about Texas Tech though? Here's the good news: they're only yeah. number they're only yeah they're they're only number five in the country in special teams. <laughs> Uh, according to uh, Brian Freemau's F plus special teams rankings, he's been the uh, benefactor of a good role a few times. I'm not going to lie, but something Chris Clement brought up in his crew, if you do look at the numbers, Jack Bloomer, like in terms of the percentages of punts, he's downing inside the red zone. Is uh, I guess it's not the red zone; it's the field's flipped the other way. But inside the twenty, like that that part of special teams is getting the job done. Well, I, that's good. That's 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 good. Uh, I I heard the way, the way the question you asked that question I believe and the the part that was disheartening about it was that your question was hey what are some positives like what do you feel good about that your team has done through five well, his first his first response was it's hard to come up with it. well yeah he sat there and thought about it and then he said Jack and then he goes to the punter and then he's like kind of hard because there haven't been many i was like well shit I mean, okay all right we're sounding like iowa football right here all right bragging up the punter i think i saw a stat that their punter just like went over eleven thousand yards in his career in punt yards <laughs> uh, and, you know let's well, and i know this is supposed to be the positive uh yeah damn bro i sent her out of the gate <laughs> there goes more cool notes <laughs> this is supposed to be the positive podcast which is uh nice alliteration there but uh it, well, I think it was Tim Everson from the Manhattan Mercury asked to, he's like, not necessarily this being a positive thing. So, uh, so he was like apologizing and coach Kleiman cuts him off and says, it's okay. There's not that many positives. We have to get better. Yeah. So see, even coach Kleiman struggles with the the positivity, everybody. So if you think we struggle with the positivity, even coach Kleiman is right now. Um, don't, uh, don't bring your, your pitchforks out at us. Uh, okay. So, Headline number two here, I guess kind of along the same lines, we're talking about simplifying things and kind of changing their approach. Do you think we see many personnel shakeups, D.Y.? Like the, the receiver question got asked, and that was that was another Tim Tim Everson asked that, that question. And it was, a, it was a very quick response. The question was like, will we see some young receivers get a chance? And I believe Chris Kleiman's response was three words. He said, yeah, you bet. And then that was it. So I don't, you know, I didn't. People are not going to get a starting quarterback change. You know, the people that want that, that was certainly reiterated at the the press conference. But will we see many tweaks of personnel getting guys out there that perhaps are going to give better effort? You would think. You would think. Like, I don't have a whole bunch just to say beyond that either. I, I mean, I've heard rumblings of, you know, some younger receivers maybe getting a shot, a crack, or, or just different receivers in general um, just to see if there's a response there. So, but... There hasn't been a whole lot of that in the Chris Kleiman era in terms of, you know, mid-season, like not not necessarily tear it all down, but really a, a fundamental change at a at a position. And I kind of get it. Like I I do think they need to probably tweak some things from a personnel standpoint or or tweak the approach maybe. But in general, what I think needs tweaked more than anything, and even more than personnel, in my opinion is to tweak that mindset that whatever they had going on and understand that you do have a target on your back. Like you are the hunted this year. So you can't just waltz in thinking you're Texas or Oklahoma like they have done in the past. There's a reason why Kansas State beat Oklahoma three out of four times, like I said before. 
because they walk into a stadium thinking they already want. Um, regardless of winning the Big 12 last year and having a lot of guys back, Kansas State can't waltz in and think that way. I think that's been a problem, and that's probably what needs tweaked the most. I still think defense is gradually improving, and that's going to be little by little just because there is a lot of youth on that side of the ball, and, and, and they're probably going through the injury bug a little bit more. But you're supposed to be good at offensive line. You need to be good at offensive line. You're supposed to be a good at quarterback. You need to be good at quarterback. Some of these guys just need to actually play up to their level of football. Um, but from a personnel standpoint, tweaks, um, more than anything, I think if there there is some that happen, it does need to be a wide receiver. I think wide receiver is probably the biggest thing, right? And uh, I think there's some guys that are hungry to get out there on the field. I, I would expect to see maybe a little bit of different rotations there at that position. And I mean, if for those that didn't listen to the, the pod that I do with Curry Sexton weekly, uh, he really laid into the wide receivers and how they're going about their business and running routes, um, especially against Oklahoma State, and that they really need to have more attention to detail. Uh, so would encourage folks to go listen to that because uh, it was not, it did not paint the wide receivers in a great picture with uh, how they've gone about it. And they're just going to have to be, uh, it's either going to be changes at the position to get their attention and some guys that pay more attention to detail and are a little more crisp in their route running, or they're going to have to scheme things a little bit differently to get guys open. So, because right now they're just not able to beat man coverage one-on-one, uh, -on -one, which is unfortunate. So yeah, I'm, I, I think a lot of fans are eager to see some young guys play at that position. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see that. This was a question in my mailbag, and I think it kind of ties into what we just discussed talking about is it uh, is there a talent issue and maybe a wide receiver you'd like to have some guys there just more innately built to to beat man coverage i get that but i don't think so still even because the kansas state didn't lose to oklahoma state of missouri because they weren't talented yeah i mean i i think we do have a tendency to especially at the skill positions i feel like be going back to like Snyder 2.0, we have a we have a tendency to overrate some of the skill position talent when there is some there because there generally has not been a lot of it. Like Snyder 2.0 was able to win a lot of games without a ton of skill position talent. And so I think, you know, it's, it's still the analogy of like, you know, if you're in the desert, you know, finding like a, a half full bottle of water is going to look pretty great um, as opposed to like, you know, a giant spring with water everywhere or something like that. And and sometimes you get, you start thinking it's more the spring than just a half drank bottle of water. So, you know, maybe not my best analogy in the world, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like sometimes we, I just feel like we've done that a lot with, with the skill positions over the years, particularly at receiver, almost this like hopefulness that, uh, that eventually you are going to be pretty talented there. I think they're more talented there than certainly those Snyder 2.0 teams were, but we, we may have overrated that a little bit. I would agree. I think that's fair. But I would just say they didn't lose those two games because of a lack of talent. There is a lack of talent at the wide receiver position because Keegan Johnson hasn't been Keegan Johnson. That's for one. And two, they are still – and they got to do a better job of flipping it quicker. So I get that because that's going to be the response I get from what I am about to say. But they are still dealing with maybe the effects and handcuffs of a – an offense that was not conducive to wide receivers. And when you run an offense, which was the one under Cordy Messingham, that is not conducive to wide receivers, it's very difficult to recruit wide receivers. They're still dealing with that. They, they should have probably flipped it a little bit 
faster and a little bit more than they have. You're right. And and some of the early returns, like, I mean, getting a guy like Trace Bybee, I mean, that's that's a positive return on on investment there. And I, I think hopefully we'll, we will start to see some more of that. But uh, yeah, you know, and I, I shouldn't leave others out, but it seems like Spivey is probably the most ready to go um, of, of that next group. Maybe maybe J- is Chase Brown a freshman? Yeah. Yeah. Two and he's played two games. I, I think they probably yeah. worry. When it comes to him, they probably worry about him the same way that they're having problems already. Like he's a little bit slighter, a little bit tougher to beat man coverage mm-hmm. smart, and a very, you know, youthfulness in his blocking at the moment too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, headline number three. Um, well, you know what? Actually, I'm going to ask one more personnel thing, D.Y. What What do you think is going to happen at corner? The The injury update there was that Willie is doubt. It sounds basically doubtful, and that yeah. Jacob Parrish is kind of day to day. So we'd expect like decent chance Jacob Parrish plays. Don't expect to see Willie. So what What are they going to do at corner? I know Kleiman talked about moving Jordan Wright back from safety to to provide some depth there. Like what What bodies are we going to see at corner? You know, I. I think probably a lot like you saw against Oklahoma State, except you're probably a little bit healthier there because you you played without two starters for you know about three quarters. I think you get Jacob Parrish back. Well, he's not going to be available, but you got Keen Garber, Justice James, and and sounds like Jordan Wright because you probably feel like you are a little thinner after after three guys. And I know they always like to have a fourth ready, so I think that's the Jordan Wright detail because they want a fourth ready. I'll add Justice. A part of the reason I asked that was like, I do you think Jordan Wright becomes that guy? Does he step in front of others in line immediately? Uh, no, because I, I think they they probably saw enough good things out of Keenan Garber and Justice James. I would think. I was gonna say I, I like Justice James. I'm yeah, he, I saw him come in against Troy, and that was garbage time. And then what he did against Oklahoma State, I think he's got a little bit t- potential. He missed last season due to season-ending injury before the season, but same teammates with uh, Kobe Savage at junior college down in Tyler, Texas, and I think he's got some potential. So I feel okay about him being a guy they can rotate in, and I think Parrish is their best cover corner. Look, they're going to need corners in this game. I know Tech's passing numbers aren't very impressive, but they have some dudes at wide receiver. The the thing that would worry you a little bit is that you don't have any length at corner when Will Lee's not available. Yeah, and they, you know Tech has turned into more of a ground and pound sort of team. It's definitely Taj Brooks leading the way right now, as opposed to you know Tyler Shuck throwing it all over the place. Baron Morton, I think he's capable, but the the offense has been a little bit different. Uh, for and, they, Tech. and yeah, and they're using the running back more because they don't have as much QB run game and they don't have Shuck. Yeah, well, I mean they for their own good, they really can't now. I mean they went through that last year where they got Baron Morton hurt too after Shuck was hurt. So yeah, they. K-State knows that position very well, uh, all too well, having to be careful with the the quarterback run game because of that. But we're going to talk more about Tech here in a second. First, though, uh, we'll make sure to get your home field gear, people. Homefieldapparel.com. Get ready to go. D.Y.'s got his Ohio State. Uh, Ohio. Ohio. The curse of Ohio written like that is that's just for the Bobcats? Yeah, it can be. They Back in the day. So, Matt Campbell, sorry to break your heart there, but. Wow. Okay. So there's no, that's not sacrilege as an Ohio State fan to rock Ohio gear. Ohio State actually stole that from Ohio. Okay. Well, that's what I was like. I feel like I see Ohio State. What is that? All right. Disgusting. Disgusting. It kind of is. You know, stealing it from a Mac team like that. Why don't you, why don't your Buckeyes go play my Maction led Ohio Bobcats? Give them a shot on a field, DY. Yeah. True. Scared. Scared. They already beat Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah. 
No. Well, you know, just get to just get to Marvin Harrison's Instagram and he'll he'll make change happen. That's that's what you need to do. Anyway, homefieldapparel.com, you can get uh the the Copper Bowl shirt that K State or that uh Cole is wearing that I was wearing the other day. Uh for everybody that's watching on YouTube here, if you're not great old school uh shirt celebrating K State's first bowl game under Bill Snyder, first bowl win in program history. They've got all sorts of retro logos, cool stuff like that. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code 3 23 to get 15% off your first order. And you can even venture into the 100-plus uh, other teams that they have, like DY's Ohio Bobcats. So homefieldapparel.com is where you need to go. 3 23 is that promo code to get 15% off. We're back with more on Texas Tech in a moment. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Ben Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And I've been so fortunate to have PXG uh, as our sponsor here at KCSN, sponsor of Benny and the Bets, uh, I, I think what I've really enjoyed about this partnership is that they have really had an opportunity to dive into Kansas City. And so it's nice to be able to refer people who are fans of KCSN to folks that care about the community, that care about making a presence here in Kansas City. Uh, but also they make ridiculous golf clubs as well. Had the fantastic uh, experience getting fit here. With Alex Oren, she is the queen of fittings over at PXG, uh, was the first female fitter in the company's history. She's right here in Kansas City, uh, did a fitting for about two hours and just had an absolute blast. Uh, really got comfortable with every single club in my bag, and they're going to be able to do that for you guys as well. The best part is $25 fittings right now in the month of October. So make sure you guys come on over. It's PXG store. They are located here in Overland Park, 119th and Blue Valley Parkway. When you come in, make sure you say hi to Alex, say hi to Jake, say hi to Marcus. The whole crew is going to take such good care of you. Check out, they got brand new fall apparel as well. Some great discounts on all the summer stuff as well. Uh, they've been a great partner for us here at KCSN. We hope that you guys support them and check out everything that they're doing as well. Been such a great opportunity. Love the folks at PXG. We know you guys will too. Everything for your bag. Nobody makes clubs the way we do, period. That's PXG and PXG.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So headline number three, uh, do not let Texas Tech's record fool you. They had a, a rough start to the year for sure. The, the loss in Laramie was pretty jarring, especially because of the way that they uh, they started that game, um, dominating, and then let it slip away. But that has aged pretty well with the way that Wyoming has played, and uh, the Oregon loss has also aged pretty well, a game that they were right in at the very end. Uh, and had a very good chance to win. Now, Oregon looks like one of the best teams in the country. As such, they're in the top 10. And Texas Tech has outscored Houston and Baylor 52-14 to now over the last six quarters. So it does, Cole, feel like this This is a Texas Tech team that is is finding itself after a, a pretty rocky start. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, look, they've won two in a row. Now, what we do need to note is that they have played arguably the two worst teams in the Big 12 over the last two weeks. They defeat Houston, and then they defeat Baylor. Uh, I don't know if uh, Baylor right now grades out actually pretty awful across the board. So the competition has been down a little bit over the last two weeks, but it's a team that uh, like I power-ranked Tech when we did our Patreon pod a week ago when we power-ranked the Big 12. I think I had them as fourth in the league going into this game. And so, look, I think there's a lot of talent on this tech team you mentioned it they were up on oregon in the fourth quarter i think oregon's one of the best teams in college football this year and the wyoming losses you said losing in overtime to a wyoming team that hung with texas for three quarters a team that just knocked off ranked fresno a team that's five and one on the season right now uh is impressive in itself so yeah losing at wyoming doesn't look nearly as bad now especially to open the season in the altitude so there's talent on this tech team, and I would urge folks not to overlook the quarterback position just because Tyler Shuck is hurt. Baron Morton has some experience. He's played the last three games. He's getting better. He's the highest-ranked recruit that Texas Tech has ever signed at the quarterback position in program history. He's a top 150 consensus recruit that's now a redshirt sophomore and uh, has played enough snaps. Now, his passing numbers haven't been great by any means, and we'll get in more into the offense-defense here in a little bit, but yeah, this is a tech team that's coming in confident and they have everything to play for. They have reset the table now and they got a shot to get off to a three and one start in league play and an opportunity to still accomplish their goals of getting to a Big 12 championship. Because you look at their schedule after K-State, they go to BYU, very winnable game. Then they host TCU, very winnable game. They got to go to KU, that'll be hard, but then they host UCF and they go to Texas later in the year. 
Like they have a stretch where they have a, a real possibility to make a run here and their fans are going to be fired up and that team's going to be fired up, especially after winning the last couple games. So yeah, don't let the record fool you. It's a good football team and they have the second le- second least smallest margin of defeat by uh, around five and a half points in their three losses this year. Kind of, kind of like the Missouri game and Oklahoma State game. People aren't going to like this. It sounds like I'm giving excuses. You're, you're getting Texas Tech at the wrong time. You are. Yeah, I mean, I, well, whatever. You haven't given yourself any latitude to... Uh, right, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Not, like, not, what you, not, you, know, you screwed it up twice already. You got to deal with it. I mean... Yeah, not not an excuse. I'm just saying the, the way that the schedule has unfolded, they keep getting teams in, in a kind of a crescendo moment to where they're going to pl- play some of their best football. Yeah, but Tech also... I mean, I would say Tech is also very much a beatable team even in this spot at, at home this i mean this is a game case they can win uh i would i would certainly suggest that but um i guess we'll we'll find out more about it from cole here in in just a moment to dive deeper into tech on offense and defense but before we get there uh we'll hear a little bit from uh, kobe savage who is our, our player interview this week we will keep it contained in this pod this time around and in what has been a a difficult week for everybody we certainly appreciate uh kobe savage making some time for us so uh here is kobe savage with cole welcome to this week's week player spotlight on three maw as we are joined by k-state starting safety kobe savage before we get started kobe we want to tell our listeners about riverbank brewing and council grove which is partnered with wildcat nil and three maw to bring a k-state football player on the pod each week and this week's guest is obviously Kobe. Riverbank Brewing has outstanding craft beers brewed in-house, many of which are made with Kansas ground barley and hops. They also have specialty cocktails such as a fresh-squeezed lemonade with vodka, tequila, rum, or whiskey, if that's your preference. Riverbank's located on Main Street in historic Council Grove, sits just off the Neosho River in the Riverwalk area in town. Really, really cool spot. Riverbank's large outdoor covered patio actually overlooks the Riverwalk and the river area. And K-State kicks off at 6 p.m. on Saturday. Riverbank's going to be open. So go enjoy some craft beers in the beautiful Flint Hills while enjoying and cheering on the Wildcats and watching college football on one of Riverbank's many TVs. It's a really cool place. Been there before. A lot of fun. Engaging events as well. Not just craft beers, but also they have events like live music, bingo, singo, you name it. This Thursday, they're actually going to have bingo with the brewery starting at 6 p.m. where you'll have a chance to win fun prizes. There's going to be live music Friday night starting at 7 p.m. as Sean Harrison will perform live at Riverbank. Open Thursday through Saturday, plus they have beer on the go, so you can stock your fridge up while there with the numerous craft beers Riverbank has on hand. For more information, go to riverbankbrewing.com or facebook.com slash riverbankbrewing. We appreciate the fine folks at Riverbank who are supporting K-State student-athletes. Kobe, Thrilled to uh, to have the chance to talk to you again. Last time we talked was at Big 12 Media Days, and I think one of the first questions we just asked you was, how did you feel about your knee after the season-ending injury going into the season? And now you're you're five games in. How's it felt to get back out on the field, and, and how's the knee feel? Uh, it felt really good, and uh, my knee feels uh, really good. It feels a lot stronger uh, than what I thought it would be. Um, I was a little nervous before the season just because I've never had an injury like, like this that involves surgery or anything, but no, I trusted hundred percent and I feel really good. What's it like from a mental standpoint, like that, that first hit or that first cut you make on a game day, is that like the hurdle you have to get over when you come from an injury like that? I feel like just the environment and the crowd just kind of like 
made my nerves go down a lot just playing in front of all the fans and uh it, it just made me forget about it and i didn't even uh, have my brace on so without the brace too that just makes me completely forget about it and just after i get that first initial hit like you said i i don't even think about it anymore throughout the game well friday was obviously a difficult loss and you're a leader on this football team what what's been the message to the guys over the past several days from you and and maybe coach Kleiman and the staff uh, really, me and Deuce Green actually just talked about this, and we're going to go with the younger guys again today. It's just not playing with any fear or any hesitation, not playing uh, to not lose, but just playing your game and just letting everything loose. Uh, I feel like a lot of the times like with Missouri and with Oklahoma State, teams that we know we should have beat, we were just playing not to lose, which we shouldn't be doing that. We should just let it loose every game and play with that actual mob mentality where they're just flying to the ball, having fun, uh, talking noise, just – just playing with that uh, confidence and that swag to us. Well, you mentioned Daniel Green. Uh, I guess I'll ask you about him. I didn't have him here in the list of questions, but I do want to ask about him. How's he doing? And then also, is he kind of like having that extra coach on the sidelines, veteran guy that unfortunately is going to be out the rest of the season? Oh, yeah. He's he's around in every special teams meeting, all the defensive unit meetings, linebacker meetings, everything. He's, he's still around. Uh, uh, brings a lot of the young linebackers along, a lot of the young defensive guys along. Uh, and like you said, is also just a great coach on that sideline for us. So he he's really good in spirits and just just overall a great leader. Do you sense an anger in the locker room right now, Kobe? I wouldn't say anger, but I just say really just uh, just like a more a more hunger hunger to our team to get back on the field and and show everybody that that wasn't who we are last Friday, and just to uh, prove to ourselves that we are uh, who we say we're going to be and uh, do the things that we say we're going to do. Coach Kleiman said at his press conference this week that uh, Tuesday was going to be a really hard physical practice. Now, is that normal for a Tuesday during the season, or would you say the intensity got cranked up yesterday a bit more? Uh, it's definitely normal throughout the season, but yeah, yesterday was was a lot more physical than uh, normal, just, just studying, uh, making sure we're running through our leverage, uh, just making sure overall as the defense were more physical, we're out physical, <clears throat> physically in the opponent, and then yeah, but yeah, Tuesdays is always pretty tough, and so so will Wednesday today. Yeah. Now, you, you started the season as strong safety, Kobe, and I think it was after the Missouri game, correct me if I'm wrong, that you and B.J. Payne flipped spots, and now you're kind of that middle safety position, the jack safety. What, if any, are the challenges of making that change during the season? Um, Really just, just knowing that I'm running sideline to sideline now instead of just being in the boundary and talking to the wheel linebacker in the corner, I'm – now I'm talking to really the whole defense, uh, the whole secondary, all the linebackers, uh, knowing what they're doing, knowing what our front is doing, and making sure I'm hitting my fits right, seeing the whole formation uh, in regards to just seeing that one side and the boundary. So really just open up my my vision and uh, my awareness to the whole field. So are you the guy then at the jack safety kind of in charge of getting the whole secondary lined up right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, the secondary has a few new faces this season, as well as multiple guys who, you know, entered the year with some snaps under their belt, but are on the field significantly more this year. And again, I said, I, I view you as the leader of the secondary and someone who was successful right out of the gate as a new guy last season. So you, you talked about earlier, talking about meeting with the newer guys. What's your advice been to those newer guys who are obviously talented, but just haven't been in the system for a long period of time? Yeah, just like I said earlier, just playing without that fear. Like, I mean, you're obviously going to mess up. Nobody's ever played a perfect game. So really just uh, if you're going to mess up, mess up 100% and uh, 
not playing not to lose or playing not to mess up, just playing fearless and reckless and uh, hitting your fits, hitting your keys and uh, seeing what you see and trusting what you see. What are some areas you've seen the secondary improve at over the past few weeks? Um, Really just uh, play action wise. I feel like we've, we've done a better job in the play action game, seeing elephants. Um, I feel like uh, the zone coverage has gotten a lot better. We just gotta, we gotta give better pitchers, uh, whether we're showing man or press or off that way, the quarterback can get quick access throws, whether that's a hitch or a smoke screen or anything like that. Just do, I feel like we should do better on our pitchers, but, Overall, just uh, I feel like we've, we've done a lot better in the play-action game. So I brought up a little bit of inexperience earlier with some of the younger guys, and you guys played much of the Oklahoma State game down your two starting corners. We knew Jacob Parrish wasn't going to be able to give it a go, and then Will Lee unfortunately goes down in the first half of the OSU game. How do you think that the other guys did kind of fill in their shoes? Yeah, I feel like Justice James and uh, Keenan Garber, they came in and uh, they had a few bumps here and there, but I feel like they overall got – settled in in that second half just just knowing our uh system and getting used to the the flow of the game so i feel like they did a, a good job of coming in doing that who are some young guys uh that maybe we haven't seen yet or they haven't played a ton that you might think are coming on over the past few weeks um some younger guys um we got guys like uh kendra steiger um justice james uh, y'all seen Oscar on Maine, but he's, he's going to yeah. be a, another good guy. And uh, Jake Clifton. Yeah. So Texas Tech sold out the game Saturday. They're, they're doing a blackout. Oklahoma State did the same thing. Missouri had its largest crowd in four plus, fear, four plus years when you guys came to town. Have you sensed, Kobe, a target on your back this season when you go into these atmospheres? And does the mindset of the guys in the locker room change at all from last year to now, given all of last season's successes? Yeah, um, just comparing it to last season, uh, just as many sold-out away games that we've gone to this season compared to last season is, is definitely uh, different, uh, like you said, with that target being on our back. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we did win it last year, so, I mean, they're obviously going to try to come out and uh, do whatever they can to us, whether that's flea flickers, trick plays, uh, tempo drives, just all, anything, they, anything they got in their arsenal. So, really, we just got to lock in. I mean, we need to be a better away team, a better team that's on the road, and not worry about the environment, not worry about what they're doing, but just worry about us and controlling whatever we can control throughout that game. And you guys were highly successful on the road last year, just losing that game at TCU. Texas Tech on Saturday, I mentioned it just a minute ago. What are some things, maybe, I know we're recording this on Wednesday, that stand out about Texas Tech's offense? Um, they have a really solid running back. Uh uh, they got a pretty pretty good wide receiver, uh, Miles Price. But yeah, overall, I see just a uh, um, a zone team, a downhill run team that'll spread the ball out, get quick access throws, like whether that's five yard outs or uh, hitches and stuff, and just to open up that downhill run game, uh, whether it's zone scheme or or gap scheme. They went for fifty two fourth down attempts last year, which led the country and, and then gone for seventeen so far this year, which is tied for second most in the country. Is that something Coach Klanderman and staff have talked to you guys about that knowing down and distance they're gonna be potentially going for it if they get into like a fourth and three, fourth and four type situation? Yeah, yes, sir. Even our uh, special teams uh at our meeting yesterday they were talking about that for the punt unit. Or not the punt unit, our punt return unit that uh they'll rarely 
not go for for on, on that fourth down. And uh, yeah, Coach Kramer also made a point that they were at a time leading the country and going for it on fourth down. So just being aware of the territory and where we're at on the field to to what we're, pitches we're going to get, whether they're what play column, whether it's a man coverage or uh, zone coverage, just being aware of that fourth down and making sure that we stay uh, get them off the field. We'll, we'll wrap up in just a minute here, Kobe. But when we talk to all the different guys that have been on the show, I think we've had – you're the seventh player that we've had on as part of this weekly player spotlight. We always like to ask them, like, who's the, the biggest trash talker on the defense or on the team? And uh, your name gets consistently brought up. Uh, is that – would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> so I, I have to ask you, how do you restrain yourself sometimes when guys come back at you? Because I, I saw the video of the Missouri game when I think it was Luther Burden that was – really coming in pretty hard there and uh, you just walked off credit to you uh i mean i'm always talking between the white lines because it's, it's the game that i love and that i'm very passionate about like i'm a whole different person when i'm on the field than i'm the what i'll be in the locker room or outside so i mean yeah i'm gonna always talk during the game whenever uh it's like back and forth back and forth i'll talk when it's zero zero but yeah after the game i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna beat a man when he's down but uh yeah I mean, it is what it is. They want to come up after the game, even though they didn't. You didn't want to say anything during the game or do anything during the game to me. Then it's just, it's just talk at the end of the day. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like to go back and forth a lot in the field, though. Who, who would you say talks the most outside of you on the team? Uh, somebody who talks a lot is Austin Moore. You just can't really tell because he's a quieter dude. But he, yeah, he definitely talks a lot. It's just funny. You're like the third or fourth guy that's brought that up, Kobe. I think it was Uso that brought it up to us for the first time, and we were shocked, and we thought Uso was messing with us. But uh, but since then, multiple guys have said that. Austin Ward never struck us as someone. We never see him really talking, but apparently he's got to do it uh, yeah. quietly where you can't tell. So, exactly. yeah. Well, hey, Kobe, appreciate the heck out of you, man. Um, best of luck on Saturday against Texas Tech. Really grateful to have you here at Kansas State, as you know. And, uh, Hoping you guys come out on top of the win and get back on the right track here as a march toward another Big 12 championship is on the way. So, appreciate you, Kobe. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Okay, again, appreciate K-State safety. Kobe Savage uh, joining us on the preview pod this week and uh, certainly hope he and the K-State defense can get things going on Saturday against Texas Tech. And let's let's just start with the Tech offense. Well, I will admit that I, I don't know nearly as much about the Tech defense as I do the Tech offense. But obviously, we've talked about it. Baron Morton is a, uh, the starting quarterback now, a talented young guy. He didn't start the year. Tyler Shuck beat him out for the job, but Shuck is now out for the season yet again. Uh, Taj Brooks, though, is really where this has to start. And I know Chris Kleiman mentioned that in his, his press conference yesterday. Uh, he is playing like a, a total stud. You know, I mean, there are some really good backs in this league. Devin Neal is is obviously fantastic, but Taj Brooks is playing at a really high level, and Tech is finally learning to utilize him, I think, to the fullest extent. Because I know one of Tech fans' big frustrations for the early part of the year when they did pick up a couple of losses is that they probably were not using him enough, and uh, that that does not se- seem to be an issue now. They're they're really leaning into Taj Brooks. Really, really talented running back, five foot ten, two hundred thirty pounds, senior back, and look, he's got one hundred fourteen carries for six hundred eighty-eight yards. He's averaging six yards per carry on the season. He's ran for over a hundred yards in each of his last four games. He just th- needs three more yards from tying his career high for rushing yards in a season of six ninety-one, which he set last season. He currently ranks fifth in the country with six hundred eighty-eight rushing yards, and he's only five yards away from being top three nationally 
in the country with overall rushing yards. Tech is a team, 40th in the country, rushing the ball for 4.7 yards per rush against FBS opponents. So they're getting more from the running game than they historically had. Around 43.5% of their overall yards are coming from the run offense. You look back to the Matt Wells era, look at 2021-22, for example, around 36% of their total yards came from running the football. So they've committed more to the running game. They haven't thrown for 200 yards in each of their last four games. They failed to reach the 200-yard mark via the past, but they haven't needed to. They've been effective in running the football. Brooks just ran the ball for 170 yards last Saturday at Baylor in their 39-14 dominating win over the Bears. So, yeah, they've, they've committed to the run. They're playing more physical football. But what I do want to caution folks is this, this is a team that still has a ton of weapons at the skill positions outside of running back at the wide receiver position. You look at their top three guys – at the receiver position, they've combined for nearly 3,900 yards receiving in their tech careers on 333 catches. So an experienced group led by senior Miles Price, who has 1,600 plus yards in his career. He leads the team with 27 receptions and 271 yards and four touchdowns this season. Jerron Bradley, preseason first team, all Big 12 pick at the wide receiver position. D.Y. you mentioned, or John, I can't remember which one you mentioned earlier, not having length at the cornerback position for this game without Will Lee. Bradley is going to be a problem as a result. He's six foot five, 220 pounds, sophomore. He had 744 yards on 51 receptions last year as a redshirt freshman at Tech. High-rated recruit that they had brought in. Again, nearly 1,100 yards receiving in his career. And then Xavier White, a six foot, 195-pound, fifth-year senior who had 572 yards receiving last year. He started on the team with 16 catches for 187 yards. This year, another guy with over a thousand yards in his career. And they added a, a transfer from Austin P at the FCS level in Dre McRae. He has 12 catches for 117 yards. He's a five foot nine quick wide receiver. He has nearly 1,900 yards in two seasons at Austin P along with 17 touchdowns. In fact, Dre McRae uh, ran the kick return back for 100 yards against Houston a couple weeks ago. So when I mentioned they have quality special teams it was kind of the Houston game that probably highlighted that and inflated their numbers maybe a little bit more because they had two special team scores in that game between a kick return and a punt block for a touchdown so yeah there's talent up and down at the skill position and a guy in Baron Morton who again was the highest ranked recruit in Texas Tech history at the quarterback position six foot two 215 pound sophomore completed 57 percent of his balls last year for 1100 plus yards but he threw six interceptions last year now this season he's 55 percent for 571 yards in three games just 5.8 yards per pass so not great his longest pass is 34 yards since he took over as a starter early in the west virginia game when tyler shuck got hurt uh so not a ton of explosiveness verticality through the air stretching the field but eight touchdowns two interceptions they ran him some last year john and they are not running him much this year which they really can't afford to with tyler shuck being hurt Uh, 17 carries for eight yards. His longest rush this season occurred last Saturday when he went for 10 yards for a touchdown against Baylor. He had the best game of his career against Baylor in terms of passer rating with a a rating of 162. Um, Actually, I'm sorry, his QBR was the best of his career at 80.8, his quarterback rating overall. So there's some talent there. But again, I mentioned they don't, they're not that explosive in the passing game. 6.4 yards per pass, 101st in the country. 10.9 10.9 yards per completion, 102nd nationally at 131 FBS tapes. What about the defensive side of the ball? I mean, we we don't think of Tech as being a, a program that has a great defense typically, but obviously I think that's been a, 
focus of Joey McGuire since he got there to, to shore that unit up? Where, where are they at there right now? Well, they're, they're getting better, and I think the biggest concern you have as a Kansas State fan is this is a tech defense that's allowing 3.4 yards per carry. That ranks sec- 32nd in the country and number two in the Big 12 behind only Oklahoma. So their strength has been their run defense. Jalen Hutchings, a, a senior defensive tackle, was a preseason All-Big 12 pick, first team um, at defensive on the defensive line, and then they have a a linebacker and uh, Lenton, who was just named the Senior Bowl Defensive Player of the Week. Steve Lenton, linebacker, he recorded three sacks at Baylor and forced two fumbles. So they have some quality guys there. Their strength is defending the run. They have not been great defending the pass. Uh, they are 84th in the country in pass efficiency defense, uh, 12th out of 14 teams in the league, only Baylor and Cincinnati worse at pass efficiency D. 5.8% sack rate that ranks 74th in the country. Uh, they are minimizing explosive plays in the passing game, though, 11.1 yards per completion. That ranks 28th nationally, um, 51st in the country in tackles for loss per game. Nothing to necessarily write home about there. Uh, they, I mentioned their run defense, though. They held Oregon to 3.6 yards per carry on 31 rushing attempts. Oregon is currently number three in the country at 6.2 yards per rush. They have a really good running game. So this is a tech defense that's improving. The weakness is going to be their defense against the pass, 5.1 yards per play, ranked 41st in the country. I think one of the things I failed to mention on the offensive side, John, that I think is going to be a big point of emphasis in the game, last season Texas Tech went for 52 fourth down attempts, which led the country. The next closest team was Baylor at 47 fourth down attempts that they tried to convert. Tech converted 64% of those, ranking 16th in the country last year. They've already gone for 17 fourth downs this year, which is tied for the second most in the country. They converted 71%, 12 of those 17. They have converted on on fourth downs. They're not great on third down. They rank 40, 55th in the country, 40, 42% conversion rate. They're going to be going up against a K-State defense that is top 25, both in fourth down defense and third down defense. When Tech gets into a fourth and three, fourth and four, depending on the game flow of the game, if they're anywhere near midfield there is a good chance they're going to go for it. So you have to be ready and defend and stop them from getting 10 yards with four downs at play. That has to be your mindset all the time. So getting them into negative plays, forcing some negative plays, K-State's seventh in the country and tackles for loss per game, kind of getting them behind the chains is going to be big. So they're not in a situation where they're in a fourth and two, fourth and three with the opportunity to go for it. Good old Riverboat Joey. Riverboat Joey coming into town uh, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, it puts some extra stress on you. It definitely puts extra stress on the defense. Uh, all right, well, there's there's what you need to know about uh, Texas Tech. So, Wildcats uh, gear up for the Red Raiders. You know, we've got quick hitters coming up next. I'm sure everybody is uh, waiting with bated breath for that. That is after a break here on 3 Mall. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Quick hitters, boys. We just spent time uh, discussing the need for K-State to have uh, put Tech in negative positions. Earlier on, it was a lot of talk about turnovers. K-State defense has not been very good at forcing turnovers. But on the other side, K-State's offense was a turnover machine in Stillwater. So I'm going to put the over-under at K-State turnovers at one and a half on Saturday. One and a half K-State turnovers. Would you take the over or under Derek on K-State turnovers in Lubbock? <clears throat> That's a good number. That's probably, it's a win or lose is really what you're asking. If it's yep. under, under win, over is a lose. Look, 
when you're on the road, you're more susceptible to turning it over, uh, especially with that environment. Until they prove that they can fix it, I'm going to say over. And by the way, I will just fill this in. K-State has only seven turnovers in five games. I was surprised when I went to look. They have not lost a fumble yet this year. It was just all, it's all picks. But yeah, you had three of them uh, last week. So Cole, where are you going with this? So so this is K-State's offense. K-State's offense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, they can take care of the football. They're going to play a little bit more. They're going to be a little bit more careful and cautious with some of their things that they do out there. So it's not a tech defense that forces a lot of turnovers either by any means. I think they're like 90th in the country in takeaways per game. So uh, I'm going to take the under on that. I think they turn it over one or less. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say KC doesn't turn the ball over once. Mm, wow. Good points. I mean, I, I can't go against that. I, I was just kind of sunken into just an expectation where you got to prove it, prove me wrong now. Well, I think what the, the, the game against Oklahoma State was the only time they turned it over more than once in a game, right? Yeah. 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 It was literally one, one a game up until that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to stick with that number. One, I'll take the under because I'm positive. You know, I mean, Derek brings this show down with his negativity, but Cole and I have to bring it back up with the positives. Positive, positive would be zero, John, like I said. You said one still. But they, you was know. It, was, it, was it only one at Missouri? I thought it was two. I think it was one, right? It was okay. the, the pick uh, on the attempt to trace Sean Ward. Now, there's been a lot of turnover on downs, uh, but uh, we're not counting those. So, yeah. All right, so the next couple of years, it's going to be a lot of like, who would you rather almost, or, or who? There's there's the word who a lot I'm seeing in my questions coming up here, but K-State just played Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy. People feel like that program is generally trending downward, but he did just get a, a big revitalizing win over the Cats last Friday. Joey McGuire, I think people feel like is really trending upward, but had a rough start to the year. Who wins more Big 12 games over the next three years, Mike Gundy or Joey McGuire? Joey McGuire. Uh, they're recruiting really, really well. The Big 12 is going to lighten up a little bit without Texas or Oklahoma. Um, not taking a shot at the league, just kind of is what it is. You are bringing in maybe some really good ones as well. And Utah and Colorado, of course, I just think that Texas Tech has the resources, the the recruiting chops to kind of stay above the fray where Oklahoma State is not evolving. Yeah, that's the thing. You got a coach that's with the, the times and Joey McGuire versus with the NIL and the transfer portal, and you got a coach who's not with the times and Mike Gundy who seems more against NIL and the transfer portal. So I'm going to take Joey McGuire because I think they're just going to bring in far more talent. Ah, I thought I might get a little bit more debate on that. I mean, I would take Joey McGuire too. I I did laugh at. Did you see Mike Mike Gundy had a quote? I don't know if it was from a coach's show or a press conference where he was talking about where people should put their money and he was making the case like hey instead of donating to facilities put your money into nil but that he tacked on to the end of that quote i'm not saying i agree with that but that's what we need to do and i was just like mike jesus like do you have to sound like you're in a hostage video every single time that you talk about nil like somebody has a a gun to your head making you say this about nil like he just can't he can't let that go man Uh, on the flip side texas tech received a commitment from a five-star wide receiver even after starting 0 and 2. yeah you're right you're right and they have the deal what did they get 50 grand to every scholarship player is that what their deal is so that or 25 maybe 25 they they had some one of those uh deal i mean tech we tech's got money <laughs> tech tech has money uh a lot of debate 
about Lincoln Riley, Brent Venables in uh, light of of the same weekend, Brent Venables beating Texas, vaulting into the top five, and then Lincoln Riley going to triple overtime with Arizona and giving up 40 points there, uh, still having some defensive struggles. Though Lincoln Riley made a very impassioned plea about his defense and said basically like, hey, if we if we hit a field goal and we don't go into triple overtime, the offense isn't giving up 40 points and you guys aren't having this conversation. Now, you guys are all scoffing at this. So we'll we'll find out what your answer to this question is going to be. Cole, who wins a natty first? Lincoln Riley, Brent Venables, or neither? Well, if, as you know, I've always been an advocate of Brent Venables, and I have never abandoned that ship uh, for years, even though you know he had a, a struggle last year. He's never used his name in the same sentence as a, an illicit drug or anything like that? Or no, I've never said anything like that or make any sort of slanderous accusations behind the scenes about Brent Venables. So, uh, no, I, I'm going to go with neither. Neither is going to win a national title. If I was going to say more likely, I would say Lincoln Riley, just because I think the Big Ten, there's just a little less fish in the sea to try and beat out, um, and you're going to have such a huge league. Like You're going to get some softer schedules. I think in the SEC, Oklahoma is just gonna. It's gonna be hard to find enough soft spots in the schedule to get to a national championship. So I'll take USC, assuming Lincoln Riley can actually figure out to hire a competent defensive coordinator at some point in his career. Yeah, the answer is neither. For with when it comes to Brent Venables in Oklahoma, like, of course I'm going to say this because they burned me on lead pipe block of the week, but I still think that's a little bit of a fool's gold win. I like I don't really believe in that program as a partnership there between Venables and the Sooners. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs a whole lot to have a chance once they go to the SEC. These guys, sure, the SEC could send four or five teams, four, probably four or five teams to the playoffs every year. Um, that doesn't mean Oklahoma is one of those four or five teams because I can pick out four or five teams that are probably going to be better on an annual basis. LSU, Alabama, Georgia to pop up top of my mind right away and maybe even Texas, because I think they're more equipped to have success in the SEC than Oklahoma. On the flip side, USC, look, Lincoln Riley, it's more navigable going to the Big Ten than it is going to the SEC. At the same time, he's never had a defense, and that is more of a systemic thing. It doesn't make me feel good about it when he's in denial about it. Like that that quote in trying to justify his defense, it, it just seems to me like a coach in denial trying to protect his buddy I mean, what? I was, you know what? I, it, it would have been what, like twenty-four points or something that they gave up in regulation to Arizona. I mean, that's not like a huge problem, is it? I mean, it's not great. It's it's it's, not, it's, it's not great. It's it's Arizona. It's not it's not great. And to be honest, I I think I think you can do well in the Pac-12 without a defense. Not that this Big Ten is some juggernaut of a league. But I think you become more vulnerable almost every week without a defense in the Big Ten. Wasn't that a freshman quarterback lighting him up in the first half for Arizona? It's yeah. their back. It's their backup, right? Backup, true freshman tour for over two hundred yards in the first half. Okay, I was unaware of that detail in my uh, look. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here, really. Uh, I, I am with you, Dy, on Brent Venables, and I, I know like Oklahoma fans would just roll their eyes and you know whatever, but. I still don't feel like he's going to be like an elite, elite level coach. I, I really don't. And because I don't think, I think he will make the defense much better. I think their defense is, is good, but I don't think it's as elite as Lincoln Riley's offenses are. Like I, I would take Lincoln Riley of the two that's more likely. And I would still actually lean toward, I think Lincoln Riley gets a national championship at some point. Um, 
he's going to continue to put an elite offense out there every single year. Why would you not go play for him with all the Heismans, these, these quarterbacks? Like, he will get the quarterback every single year, and that's going to give you a chance. And yes, I think at some point, either Alex Grinch will be continually worse and he'll have to make a better hire a different hire and he's hiring at usc now like who's not going to want to go to usc i just think he'll he'll stumble into a good defensive coordinator at some point they'll get better and he's always going to have the elite quarterback so i would i would still take lincoln riley i know sooner fans are doing their victory lap and you know brim animals was working with linebackers at spring practice and that whole thing but i uh i still would take lincoln riley to get get the title there first i probably would take him if i had to take one of two um, yeah. But I would take neither, and I said this before, when Oklahoma goes to the SEC, I think they're more likely to be Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee than anything. That's what they're mm. mm. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking of coaches and who would you rather, who would you rather have as your head coach? This is the scenario, okay? Here's a scenario. You have a one-score lead with less than a minute left, and the other team is out of timeouts. Seems like an impossible situation to screw up, right? But your two choices for your head coach here are Mario Cristobal and Paul Rhodes. Who are you taking there? Minute left, no timeouts for the other team. You're up one score. Mario Cristobal, of course, had uh, an epic fail uh, on Saturday by not taking a knee that would have ended the game. Miami fumbled and you gave up like a 70-yard touchdown drive in like 20 seconds. Um, Paul Rhodes, of course, if you remember back in 2015, in Manhattan, Iowa State had the ball up seven with 131 left and K-State with no timeouts. And somehow Paul Rhodes lost that game in regulation because they gave up 10 points in the final minute 31 with a pair of fumbles. So who would you rather have in that scenario? I'll go Paul Rhodes just because he seems like a guy that might at least learn from that mistake and not let it happen again. Uh, Mario Cristobal has had this happen Three times, actually. Two times it hurt them, but there was a third that almost hurt them as well. So this is a guy that just keeps letting it happen and doesn't really give a crap. Yeah. Paul Rhodes, because he only did it once, and I don't think he'd do it again. I think he'd be terrified of doing it again. So Yeah. He's like, not that Mario Chris Ball doesn't. Paul Rhodes is really like a football junkie, knows ball type, even though he, he, you know, failed as a head coach at a place that had never had success really anyway. But uh, yeah, give me him. Where, where's good old Paul at right now? Uh, you know, I don't know. He's usually on a really good defensive staff almost all the time. He was in Auburn, I think, at one point after Iowa State on defensive staff. I'm, I'm looking it up. Looking it up. He was in the NFL for a hot minute. No. Okay. All right. I've got an answer for you. He is a position coach in the ACC. Uh, where do you Where do you think he's at? Well, I hope it's not Miami because then the- <laughs> it's not Miami. <laughs> it's not Miami. Um, Virginia. It's kind of a depressing. Honestly, I'm depressed for Paul Rose. Like Dy's here saying he knows ball. I boy, this job title would indicate that maybe he doesn't know Pittsburgh. Getting warmer. Syracuse. About the same. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we're like we're going by like then. You got to think low. No, think lower. Lower in like the ACC standings or geography? That's where I'm struggling. You said I'm getting more DNA, worse program. Worse See, program. Wait, Pitt, J Tech, Wake Forest. No, worse program. Georgia Tech. Good program. Uh, Georgia Tech, I would say, is on the same level 
pretty much. Oh my god! It's more tradition. This is like the trivia we're doing. This is probably terrible. This is probably terrible podcasting. You might want to. It is. It is. But I kind of enjoy this. It's like when we were in the car on the way back from uh, media day. I'm trying to Boston College. There you go. I was trying to think of the Boston College basketball coach Skinner. Was that that guy's name? Was that they have a they have a they do have a good defense for the what? Okay, well, he's the outside linebackers coach at uh, Boston College. So look at, the, look at the payroll Boston College got to just have an outside linebackers coach. They're paying a guy to be the inside backers coach too. I guess so. Wow. They probably, they probably only have one D line coach or one secondary coach. You just yeah. I'm glad we could all uh, learn that together today. Uh, finally, talks have heated up again between the Big Twelve and Gonzaga. Who would you be more excited about hosting in Bramlage, Gonzaga or Arizona? Gonzaga or Arizona in a new look Big 12? Arizona for me. Uh, well, first of all, I can say it's gotten to play Gonzaga multiple times over the years, so it would be more enticing to play. But not host them in Bramwich. Yeah, no, they played them in Wichita. They played them in Seattle, and then they played them in uh, Kansas City, actually, in the, the year K-State was ranked number three in the country and blitzed Gonzaga in that game. They did play Arizona in the Maui Invitational in a game that they almost won uh, with Bruce Weber a few years ago, but I, I'd say Arizona just because of the historical um, side of things. Arizona's won multiple national championships, correct? They have, right? Yeah. So, they, they won the one with Lute Olsen for sure, I know, with Mike Bibby and those guys, but um, yeah, I'd say Arizona for that reason. I'd be excited, though, for Gonzaga. I think they both have the same cachet, so I'm like split, torn, doesn't matter. They're about the same. I actually almost lean Gonzaga a little bit. Like, I, I feel like Gonzaga, to me, has a little bit more cachet. Like, I respect Arizona a lot, but I don't... Gonzaga, man, I... Woman, they played in a national championship game, certainly more recently than uh, than Arizona has. And part of the reason I bring this up is because this has been thrown out there by Dennis Dodd, clearly getting this from, I mean, probably Brett Yormark himself. Part of the pitch here is that Gonzaga is ahead of Arizona in the TV power metric that they have from a consultant. Uh, they supposedly are fifth in college basketball in the TV power metric. It's behind like it's like Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. I think it's those four, the only four that are above Gonzaga. So I actually would be more excited for Gonzaga. No shade to uh, Arizona, but I'd be I'd be a little more pumped for, for the Zags to roll in. All right. This is my time to shine, baby, because uh, I am four and one in our lead pipe lock of the week's and uh, thank you to, I, you know, I had it all the way. I clearly had the right side in LSU-Mizzou uh, with, with LSU minus six and a half. Um, no backdoor cover there at all. Um, thank you, Brady Cook, for a pick six. Knew you had it in you. And I moved to uh, four and one. Well, Cole drops to two and three. DY uh, drops to one and four because Derek, Derek, not only did you pick Texas, you said Texas was going to destroy Brett Venables. Uh, destroy. John, I have the, John, I have the audio. Do you want the audio? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just get into it. Orns. I'm bringing back the helmets. But if he points to be good luck, Orns, I think the clobber Oklahoma again. Brent Venables is not made for this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a powerful statement at the end. Uh, so... So last night, uh, for folks who don't know, we're like group text. They were like, did we hit our locks of the week? And John's asked that question. And he was like, yeah, I think I did. I think I picked this other game. And so I immediately went back and I was like, John was like, I think you picked Texas. So that I went back and listened. And I was like, 
Oh man, I heard that. I was like, I got to hit the old record on the uh, the button and play that mag. And I texted it to to you guys with the the thirteen second recording there of of Dy. So, did you have an apology? <laughs> an apology queued up for Brim Animals? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, more pissed at him actually. So, um, it's just it's been a rough year. To be, to be clear, and you guys know this, I'm doing well in all my other bets. I always pick the wrong one to feature well cole by the way should not be talking too much because he decided to take jimbo fisher with a backup quarterback against uh nick saban and lost there okay they were up 17 to 10 and half at least it wasn't like last year when i gave out my locks and my locks got beat by like 48 all right at least they only they lost what a one score game i had faith in max johnson you know yeah well i'm gonna go and I didn't buy. No, first. No, first. <laughs> no, first. <laughs> um, my only win was picking a team to or fading a team that had a big game the following week. So Penn State plays Ohio State in a week. Um, that is their season, besides play Michigan. But that's one of their two games that they have to win this year. So I'm fading Penn State. Now it's a kind of a sicko bet because Penn State is playing UMass. So oh, God. So Penn State fading the Nitty Lions going UMass plus 42 and a half. I mean, really? So you, you took UConn already this year and now you're taking UMass? <laughs> hey, I'm using the formula that won me my only bet. This, the, All uh, right. Oh, Lark. Oh, shout out to you. I thought about fading Mizzou because I like Kentucky. Um, yeah, I thought about that too. Shout out to UMass, knocked off New Mexico State and Jerry Kill to start the year. I mean, looks like the Minutemen are improving a little bit. So, Marcus Marcus Camby ain't walking through that door, Derek. I do think they lost to Auburn by like 60, so this is a kind of a stretch. Mm, well, I, uh, I'm going to give you guys a game that everybody's going to want to watch anyways. 2.30 kick, primetime game. Oh, they really... This game? You want to watch Penn State UMass? Uh, I mean, Cole, remember, Cole, K State had a great moment against UMass. 2009, yeah. Bill Snyder 2.0's first game oh, back. Well, so much for trying to keep it positive. John's got to circle back to that game. So, uh, we beat Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz was uh, on that true. UMass yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Good wide receiver there. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm actually going to take Oregon plus two and a half, I, I think. Washington hasn't played anybody. Now, Oregon hasn't played a great schedule either, but I'm not. I think Oregon's a more complete team offensively and defensively. Obviously, Washington's offense is elite, but I think I like Oregon's defense more than Washington's, and I think the offenses are close. So I'm going to take Oregon with the points. I like Oregon to win outright. I like Oregon too. For my money, they're the best team in the country right now. So I like that. The only thing that gives me a little consternation is I do think Michael Penix is. A lot better than Bo Nix. He's him. Michael Penix is him, man. That guy, he's he's got the best Heisman odds now. He jumped uh, Caleb Williams. Yeah. So, and and I think he's a little over. Like I I wouldn't have him that far up in my opinion, but I just I can't come around on Bo Nix all the way. I agree. Um, I would just stay away from that game. I I like both of those teams, but yeah, I would stay away from it. But you know, you do you. I'm going to follow my, much like Derek, I have a pattern that's been working here. I'm going to stick with it. I found a line that had me scratching my head, like, what is this about? And it doesn't seem to make sense, so I'm going to lean into it. And that one this week comes from the Big 12. You guys have any idea what's coming here? You look through the Big 12 lines this week? 
you're taking uh, are you taking Oklahoma State to cover against KU because that line's a lot shorter than you'd expect. Well, he loves BYU, so I'm sure it's BYU. He, he just he thinks the Cougars are legit. No, I am. I feel horrible about this because on the surface it seems like a terrible thing to do, but I am putting my money in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is a five point favorite at home against Iowa State. Cincinnati has not won a game in over a month, and that win was against Pitt, who is dreadful. Like Cincinnati, think, five point favorite against Iowa State. I have. No, I mean, that. I think I thought the the KU Oklahoma State line and TCU BYU lines were a little stinkier. I, you think? I mean, what has Cincinnati done this year to justify being a five-point favorite over anybody in the in the league? And these nobody, none of the newcomers have beaten one of the old school Big Twelve teams yet this year. And we're going to make them five-point favorites at home against Iowa State with the line better now. Cincinnati played with Oklahoma at home. We just beat Texas. Iowa State lost at a max school. Uh, the line is actually moving in Cincy's favor too. John has started as as three-point favorites. So, but I, I get your logic. I just think the other two lines are kind of stinky too. All right. Well, like I just thought BYU, yeah. like, that that one's five points. BYU five points. I oh. saw I saw Cyclone Cyclone Larry this week said that Iowa State was finishing six and three in the league. So that uh, you know yeah. seems like a seems like a line I can't get behind. Cole, you don't seem to agree with that prediction. No, I'd take Cincinnati. Oh, I meant Iowa State going six and three in the league. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I don't agree with that prediction. I don't agree with that. Although, hey, they're a little better than I think we all thought they'd be. So, hats off for that. Another one that I like because I I like to throw one or two out. Oh God, here we go. Extra, because those are the ones that actually hit. I like Washington State minus eight and a half against Arizona. I think Arizona's kind of blown their wad, so to speak, because they they lost the USC by two in Washington. Well- that is that technical term? <laughs> uh, this is a PG show, BY. That was, man, get the bleep button ready, Nick. I don't know what. <laughs> that just shot right out there, pun intended. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. So, K State, K State, Texas Tech predictions. Anybody? <laughs> I'm going to finish on a positive note here. K-State 30, Texas Tech 27. Positive. Positive thinking. The power of positive thinking. K-State wins 30-27 to 27 in Lubbock. I got it. Texas Tech winning 34-28. You monster. I uh, I would cue the Angels in the outfield music like I did on the Patreon pod, but it backfired against... Uh, Go Oklahoma State, so I'm not going to do it here, but I'm going to I'm going to believe in Kansas State, and uh, I I think K State like their backs are against the wall, and Chris Kleiman sent a wake up call to this team after the Oklahoma State game, and I think if any point they're going to turn this thing around, this is the moment, and uh, with with them going into this game, they recognize the importance of it. They've talked about wanting to win another Big Twelve championship, and you can't do that if you don't win this game and go on a tear here. So. With the veteran guys in this locker room, I expect to see an inspired performance, and I'm going to take K-State to go into Lubbock and to win their eighth straight game against Texas Tech and make them 6-1 and one in Lubbock since 2011. I take K-State 31, Tech 27. Pretty much the same score for me and Cole. All right. 
everybody send your uh send your your tweets about negativity and trying to become more positive to uh it was a derek young ksl derek young ksl on twitter yeah uh, where you can direct all of those comments and if your children and if your children are listening to the pod you know please <laughs> you know turn, turn the volume down the last couple minutes of the show so you can also direct your ire towards me on that front as well yes so we're <laughs> Make DY put a quarter in the jar. John, John, John doubled down though. So, what, 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 one of my friends? It just, it just, it just came out. Yeah. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Listen, kids. When a man and a woman love each other very much. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's been a hell of a show. Uh, we're gonna get out of here uh, for Nick Springer behind the scenes. Derek Young and Goldman Beck. I am John Kurtz. Shout out to 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, our friends at Holiday Distillery and Homefield Apparel. We will talk to you next time on 3 Moss. Somebody take the mic away quick. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.